Guard of the shotgun, takes the snap, eyes the middle, pressure off the edge, throws, tipped in the air, and it is intercepted! Ball was batted up in the air and picked off in the middle of the end zone by Ernest Jones. And they stop him four times from the one, quick snap, handoff, Akers cuts through the middle, getting a push, and he's in! Touchdown Rams! They break the huddle quickly. The handoff is to the up man. He's it. pushing forward and he's falling forward. Did get it? And I don't think he got there. I don't think he got there either. Marquise Copeland got the Rams right in front of Amir Abdullah and yeah. I don't think he got there, Link. I don't think he got there either. This drive started on their own two-yard line. And it's on the Raiders 23 for a second and 10. Shotgun to Mayfield. Fires towards the end zone. Lofted pass. Caught by Jefferson! No way! On their 25. Back to pass. Looking downfield. Late pressure. Lobs it towards the middle. And it's intercepted. Devontae Adams, the intended receiver at the 50. Taylor Rapp picks it off with two seconds to go. The entire Rams team is celebrating to the end zone to our left. And in a season length full of disappointments. You gotta be kidding me, Derek. You have got to throw this football. He underthrows the football. You gotta see Taylor Rapp is gonna be standing there, and there. He's standing right there and you throw it to him. If anything, you put the ball in the air, you give your receiver a chance. You don't throw it short. The thing. Oh no, oh no, no. <laughs> I wish on Friday we had things to talk about. Usually we're just right headed to the weekend, not much to say. Three hours of kind of nonsense and not much to talk about. But today we might have something to talk about. I would like to thank everyone that spent $750 million on getting the Raiders to Las Vegas. Steve Sisolak, Golf clap. Golf clap. the SNTIC committee, uh, the state legislature. Sheldon Adelson, the uh, labor union, all of them. They work so hard to get the Raiders here because this is the greatest content machine we could possibly yeah. have. This organization is hilariously inept on and off the field, and it is unbelievable. And I'm very thankful. I was very anti spending $750 million to build a football stadium for the Raiders. They're phenomenal. You've changed your mind. Because they are hilarious. You changed your mind. They're so bad at like everything. They're hilarious. They're awful. Like, what are they even good at? Well, a year ago, I'm their pausing. entire a year ago, the entire business side of the organization, they all quit or got fired. <laughs> I will say, and I'll that's like the tenth most damning thing that's happened in twenty four months. The least like interesting thing that was still like would be huge to another team was there were apparently piles of rental cars <laughs> that were wrecked by a player and they're like well that's not even that's a notebook lead <laughs> this team is the first bite oh that's okay go to the first bite yeah, i can still keep going bite. yeah uh, the first bite is brought to you by the Real Estate Guys 5K giveaway. Go to lvsportsnetwork.com today. 15K. What I said? You said 5K. It's 15,000. Okay, 15K. LVsportsnetwork.com. Difference. Yeah, it is a big difference. All right. So, the Raiders. <laughs> this is your first bite. This is, this uh, is There is a poll up bite. if you'd yes. like to vote. And it's just the Raiders. Yes or no? Did we have a third option? 
I was going to add, did Avatar wind up looking bad to you on when you saw the preview? But I think no one cares about that today because there's so many things to go over. It's the best part of the game until the fourth quarter. Um, all right. I'm starting here. Josh McDaniels is unbelievably bad. He coached that game like it was over at halftime. Yeah. He coached to kill the clock at it's, halftime. Yeah. It's one of the most pathetic coaching jobs I think we've ever seen. They threw seven passes in the second half, and one of them was that final play that Lincoln Kennedy that ripped. He, Derek Lincoln Carr Kennedy for. was uh, not happy with because he underthrew it. They threw six real passes in the second half of this game. They played to just run the clock out. Mm-hmm. They got a 13-3 lead, and with this defense that everybody knows is not very good, decided, well, the Rams aren't scoring 14 points tonight. No, they never believed that Baker Mayfield right. could do it. And they lost because of it. And here's the other part. We've talked a lot about this. But Josh McDaniels punted on fourth and one in the second half twice. Once from the Rams' 49-yard mm-hmm. line. Midfield, and he punted on fourth and one. With the league's leading rusher. With the guy who's got the fewest plays hit in the backfield as a running back this season. He would not run on fourth and one. And hell, he actually went for it on a fourth and one earlier in the game. And you know what they did? They ran a quarterback sneak. And they got the, it. The damn play I've been telling them they need to run they more. And they got it. They couldn't do that on either of these fourth and ones in the second half. In the first quarter, on a fourth and fourth, the 35, he kicked the field goal from 52 yards. Daniel Carlson made it, so he got three points. But he has been extremely conservative. And then... I put this in my notes as I'm watching the game because I thought this won't actually matter. And it ended up not mattering. But the way Josh McDaniels handled the clock at the end of the first half. Bro, the clock management at the end of the first half was terrible. They they got a it was third yeah. down, and with a minute 17 left, they're around midfield. Josh McDaniels calls a timeout. Yeah. So if they don't get that first down, they're punting and giving the Rams a minute 10. They end up getting the first down on the deep ball to Devontae Adams down the sideline. He goes out of bounds. Next play, car scrambles, runs out of bounds. Second down play, throw over the middle, is caught short of the first down. Clock's running. Nope, McDaniels burns another timeout. They ran, that's four plays, and the clock went from 117 to 51 seconds mm-hmm. left. They ended up, uh, car throws the interception throws, on car third throws down. The pick. And the Rams have now 46 seconds. To go down and score. The Rams did not score because they are hilariously bad, even though they won that game. But what the hell was McDaniels doing? The clock management was as as absolute bad as you could have in the last minute 17 of that first half. We have talked about end of half scenarios with McDaniels like four times this year. Where he just does something where he takes away a down from his team or doesn't give his own team enough time or somehow manages to give the... Like, he's bad at it. He's really bad at this. And here's the issue. The Raiders continue to play one-score games. They, yeah. That's all they yeah. play is one-score games. Another one last night. And their coach continues to make decisions that makes it harder for them to win. When you punt on fourth and one, you're throwing away points. Mm-hmm. When you give the other team 45 seconds, right? Even when, I mean, hell, Baker Mayfield did it in 90 seconds to go 98 yards. When you give the other team 45 seconds, when you could have killed the clock entirely, it could that card interception should have been with like 12 seconds right. left in the half. He's bad. He is very bad at managing clock, managing downs, and they're going to keep playing one possession games. And every time they lose, we're going to be able to point to say McDaniels made three bad decisions that cost his team the game. Three, He's awful. Three three and outs in four second half drives, I believe. 
I think that's the number, three three and outs. Conservative play calling, uh, which one was, and I was laughing at this because my wife said uh, they gave the ball to Jakob Johnson. Oh, they- Jakob Johnson <laughs> has never had a carry in his NFL <laughs> career until last night, and I believe they gave it to him on third and one. Uh, my wife was said, why are you laughing? Doesn't he gain a lot of yards? I said, well, he doesn't gain a lot of yards because he's never carried the football in the NFL. Hey, he's never failed in that scenario. He's, ne- he's never failed. He's never, He's very successful. Jakob Johnson in a key moment of the game. Let's give it to him. Well, okay, just, hold on, though. If you if you had to pick a game to give him a, a carry, the one where you're playing against the guy who only had two days to prepare <laughs> that couldn't, like, weren't getting even close and weren't attempting 61-yard field goals, you're like, all right, Jakob, you're not going to, this isn't going to go badly. I don't think he, I, his play calling sometimes uh, amazes me. But the other play, and it didn't lead to anything, where I'm sitting there shaking my head is Josh Jacobs goes out with a pinky. It looks like a pinky. He's a finger. He goes and gets an x rate. His first play back, they want him to throw back. Yes. Derek Carr. Yes. Like, Did you not see? This guy has a, probably a broken right. finger. And that's the first play. Now, he didn't throw the ball, thank goodness, because it would probably been picked six going the other way. But it's like, do you understand? He just got his finger x-rayed, and he ran back onto the field, and he's shaking his hand after every play, and that's the play you call? Is that bizarre? He couldn't catch the ball on the sideline without, like, wincing and pain. Wincing, yeah. He was completely in pain, and you're having him throw the yeah, ball. Yeah, all right. Let's let him chuck it down the field. I just... <laughs> and here's the other thing that's in- incredible. Devontae Adams, first first pass of the game, makes an unbelievable one-handed catch. Yards. Yeah, with a, with a guy in his face. And then Devontae Adams, at the end of the first half, makes that catch down the sideline where Jalen Ramsey is in pretty good coverage. And Carm has a great pass, and Adams puts his hands out at the last minute, gets his feet in bounds. Two great plays by Devontae Adams, and then they're like, all right, we're good. We don't don't need him anymore. We're good. Three for 71. Unacceptable. And and here's the thing. Adams has had so many monster games that his overall numbers are good. But like four times this year, the Raiders have just said, we don't know who Devontae Adams is. We we got Mac Hollins into rounds, baby. Like four times this year, they've just decided, ah, we don't need to throw the ball to Devontae Adams. What are you doing? Force it to him. I don't like the guy doesn't have to be open to make a play. It's it's completely inexcusable. And then on top of all of these just coaching screw ups, did you see Baker Mayfield torch the Raiders defensive coaching staff? Yes. Post game, he gets on with the the Amazon post game show. Do you have the audio of it, Jared? On the press coverage clip? Richard Sherman spent like two minutes. I have just to grab it. But- obliterating. The Raiders' defensive scheme. Just talking about Richard Sherman's just like they set up the defensive backs to fail, that they look like a scout team defense. He was like, if a scout team defense did that, the offense would yell at the scout team for saying nobody's going to play that. Is this Sherman or is this Baker Mayfield? This is Baker Mayfield right. with right. a little bit of Ryan Fitzpatrick. Okay. You know, to be honest with you, I was completely shocked that they lined up in press coverage with 15 seconds. I think I mean, Sherman's sure, 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 a little aggravated. The defensive coordinator went to Yale. <laughs> But literally, right. Baker Mayfield went on. Yeah, I couldn't find the actual version of it quickly, but I found a version of a TV. Yeah, but yeah. couldn't believe their impressed coverage. The the Rams had no timeouts left. Had to whatever they were on the twenty two yard line. Twenty three, yeah. And Baker Mayfield, I don't even know if he knows all his receivers' names. 
And he he, he came liked out that big guy. He came out and saw. Well, they're, they're just staying in man coverage. Yeah. They're in yeah. press coverage. We have to score a touchdown. Just run around him, and I'll yeah. throw it up to you. And just we'll beat catch him it. off the line. It is Baker Mayfield got claimed off waivers forty eight hours before this game by the Rams. Right, got the playbook on the plane he's flying to L.A. and. He wins one of the probably the biggest best moments of his career. Yeah. Right. And when he goes to the post game press conference, one of the first things he says, that other team's coaching staff is stupid. That's the first thing he said was, I can't believe they were doing something that's so stupid that even me and guys I've never heard of could figure it out. Okay. This has been reported by multiple people who were in the locker room post game. After walking through the locker room to the exits, he turned Baker Mayfield turned to a staffer for the Rams and went, where the hell do I go? <laughs> they lost to a guy who didn't know where the locker room was. <laughs> he literally like was like wandering around. They had to put a guy on him because he was like, I, this is new to me. It's I I do not believe the Rams scored with 90 seconds left, having to go 98 yeah. yards. The drive, the first touchdown they scored, was a nine minute drive. The I think Rams he completed nine passes. The Rams were so incompetent that they were down two scores in the fourth quarter, and they had a damn nine minute yeah. drive where at one point they let 30 seconds run off the play clock and the game clock, and then they called a timeout. And it was like, dude, you're probably going to need those if you actually score here. No, no problem. They're playing the Raiders. The They'll biggest win anyway. play of the game should have been Cole's punt. Yes. Uh, that that should have been. The, it was an amazing punt. They downed it to two. That is a great point. That they, they downed it to two, and you're like, it's over. Right. The game's over. There's no chance they're going. And what was the stat that, that's the first team? 45 years. It's been 45 yes. years to go at least 90-something yards in the last two minutes to score a touchdown to win a game. Like, that would have been a bad final drive for the defense if they were playing Patrick Mahomes. Right. But they were playing a guy who just got to L.A. The funniest thing of the night, Kirk Herbstreet's like, I got to L.A. before Baker yes. Mayfield did. <laughs> yeah. And, and he had to fly in for the game. Yards. Yeah. Unbelievable. It's an unbelievable loss in a season of unbelievable losses. We're staying here with the Raiders. Come back after the commercials. Double digit lead this team has lost. Is it a pattern that's happened or is it different with each loss? No, I, it didn't feel that way, if I'm honest. Um, you know, it didn't feel like something like, oh, here, you know, here it goes again or anything. It didn't feel anything like that. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it's football and no margin error. You know, it's tough. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Let me ask you this question Is there anything that you can point to that would be a reason to bring Josh McDaniels back as head coach next year. Yes, the owner loves him. But I mean, that he's done. Not like, oh, the owner likes him, or, oh, he's, uh, his contract is in his first year and you don't want to buy him. Like, Is there anything McDaniels has done or anything about him that you think he could do that you could point to and say he should come back for year two? Three-game winning streak. <laughs> He did have that two overtime wins. I don't. No, I understand. I understand yeah. what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. No, not with not with the losses they've had and how they've lost. Not just the losses they've had. It's how they've lost. Right. Like the three game winning streak. And in all seriousness, the Raiders put together a three game winning streak to give themselves playoff 
hope. Hope. Right? They're five and seven going into the game last night, playing a quarterback who got claimed off waivers two days ago. And they're going to win the game, right? And they're going to be six and seven. And it's a layup, right? apparently. And there's a chance they're, what, what would they be? A game out of the playoffs, if depending yeah. on the results of this week. And they could be a game out of the playoffs at six and seven. They could have the same record as the Chargers and the Patriots, two teams that are in the hunt. And they lost that game. And now you look at it, and that three-game winning streak was sandwiched by a loss to Jeff Saturday, who got hired off of ESPN the same week, and a loss to Baker Mayfield, who got claimed, who off, got waivers claimed off waivers. waivers. Two so days the, before. So if we learned anything, the teams that lost to the Raiders overprepared. <laughs> that is accurate. I, the, I think... I want to say that uh, the loss last night was the worst of all of these. Saturday at least probably just let his coordinators run the game. We don't know that for sure, but he probably just led Gus Bradley and his offensive coordinator, who was, I think, six years old. Uh, you guys run the game, and I'll just kind of be here and interject whatever I have to interject. So that one it was a horrible loss. But last night, given Baker Mayfield's uh, inexperience with that playbook and not really knowing what was going on, like you said, not knowing who his teammates were, he probably knew who Matthew Stafford was. He, he probably said, that's the guy know, in the hat. He did know Van Jefferson, the guy who caught the game-winning touchdown. And he said afterwards, when we were in college, I tried to get him to come to Oklahoma, and he did not respond to me. So <laughs> he did know Van Jefferson. He, they did say that he had uh, two sessions of 10 throws <laughs> in practice. And then they, a walkthrough. They ran 20 and the plays. Walkthrough. They got to run 20 plays with Baker in practice. They said that they did a two-minute, like, thing where they... One of the offensive linemen was like, yeah, we kind of just did language of, like, you'd use on Madden. <laughs> <laughs> so it was four verticals, halfback dive, and that was, yeah, that was like, the playbook. Yeah, that was yeah. like the playbook yeah. for the two-minute drill. Yeah. Was like, You're handing right. off the cam on this one. So, all right, here here's the thing on McDaniels. He has probably had... Five losses that you could say are fireable offenses. They blow the 20-point lead to the Cardinals. They blew a 17-point lead to the Chiefs. Uh, what was it? A 17-point lead to the Jags. They got shut out by the Saints and Dennis Allen. And they lost. I'm, I'm going over five already. They lost to Jeff Saturday in his first ever game. Still the only team to lose to Jeff Saturday, by the way. And now they lost to Baker Mayfield. That's six games. There there have been six games you could point to and say, that's probably a fireable offense. And here's what I'm fascinated to see, because Mark Davis, the last time he talked, came out and said, uh, Josh McDaniels is doing a fantastic job. I'm curious to see, how is Mark Davis going to convince himself that McDaniels is the right guy for this job? And how is he going to, with a straight face, try to tell the fans that this is the right guy for the job? Because... Well, how, I don't know, but he will. Josh McDaniels was a failed head coach in Denver. We have evidence... Before he got hired here, that he's bad at this. But okay, some years have passed. He's, you know, he talked about how much, oh, I've learned. He's matured. Maybe he's better. But in his first season with the Raiders, he has coached some of the most embarrassing losses possible. He has coached games where you can specifically point to him and his coaching staff as to why they lost the game. Again, they got shut out by the Saints. And that's not even one of the four worst losses of the season for this team. You could pick any of those games, and they're a fireable offense. And Mark Davis is probably going to walk down and say, oh, he's doing a fantastic job, isn't he? For where they came from. That was the quote. From where they came from. (laughs) And here's the thing. This organization 
has been a mess on and off the field since they've been in Vegas. And as much as we've yelled about Josh McDaniels, as much as we've spent the last, whatever, three years that they've been here talking about Derek Carr and if he should be the quarterback, as much as we've talked about how bad the defense has always been and the defensive coordinators and press coverage against Baker Mayfield and all of that, this is about Mark Davis. This is his organization that since he has taken over has been a miserable failure. What do they have? Two playoff appearances in like 12 years since he's been in charge of this organization? Oh, since he's been in yeah. charge. Yeah, but two playoff appearances in much longer. Right. And a couple decades. Both of those playoff appearances immediately followed up by bad seasons, right. right? He's churned through coaches. Mark Davis is a bad owner. The Raiders do not have a legitimate chance at being a good organization unless they have a good owner. They they Here's what they have to do. They either need a better owner, the best coach in football, or to hit on a generational talent at quarterback. At quarterback. Those are their three paths. They have no chance at doing what like the Rams did last year. They have no chance at doing what the 49ers do every year, right? They either have to get a new owner, the best head coach in football, or hit on one of the well, three I don't best think, draft. Picks. I don't think the former's happening. Well, you said I don't three, think you any said of them three are things. Happening. You said three things. Uh but mostly because the generational quarterback might happen eventually. That could happen eventually. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, even a happen. blind squirrel is right twice yeah, a day. I mean, you could, you could, you could find one of those. Um, he's not selling the team, so that's not happening. And I think he's keeping the coach. So at this point, that's not I, happening. I would be hesitant to say that. Like, I don't think of him as a bad owner as much as I think of him as a not as rich as all the other owners, so not able to do. Then he should sell the team. If he's not, if the reason he's not going to fire McDaniel's is because he doesn't have enough money, then he should sell the team because he doesn't have enough money to then fix have a his lot own of money. mistakes. Yeah, <laughs> if he sold the team, he'd have a lot of money. He, if if and I don't know if this is true, but if he Mallory's. if it's true that he doesn't have enough money to fire McDaniel's, he should sell the team. He does not have enough money to fix his own mistakes, and he makes so many mistakes that have to be fixed. He should sell the team if that's the reality of the situation. If he's if he's just convinced McDaniels is going to be the right guy, well, he's just making the wrong choice. But he's done that plenty of times since he's been here. The best head coach he's had since he's been the owner is Rich Passaccia. That guy deserves a stadium outside of Allegiant yeah. Stadium because he got this mess to the playoffs statue. last yeah. year. Yeah, statue. He got this mess to the playoffs last year. It's a pathetic organization. And it starts with Mark Davis. This is not going to stop happening while he's in charge. The, see, the management part of me is like, wants to throw ben my Brown <laughs> coming up next. Third and five, ball on the 10. Car retreats, pressure from his right, caving in, flips it to the end zone. It is intercepted! Picked off in the end zone! Ernest Jones with the interception for L.A. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Joining us now from Pro Football Focus is Ben Brown. All right, Ben, did you have any bets on the Raiders and Rams last night? I bet a few things, actually. So I did have uh, Josh Jacobs over 20.5 carries, which uh, I would say for all the first half. was a lock outside, <laughs> yeah, a lock outside of the, uh, the injury situation uh, that reared its ugly head. But he did get there. And then I had I had 2-2 Atwell to score a touchdown as well. Those are my only you know, main plays, I would say, uh, last night. So one got there, one did. And I did like the over in the game a little bit. And honestly, like the offensive production and efficiency metrics 
probably probably should have got there, but uh, some some weird situations at both the end of the half and the end of the game didn't result in that actually happening. So you you didn't have any hilarious losses like the Raiders did last night, is basically what you're saying. Basically, right. If I was gonna <laughs> if I was gonna bet a side, I did have a little um, like Rams uh, plus the points sort of thing. So felt okay about that. But yeah, it was a uh, it was a weird one to say the least. Were there any props that Baker would take them 98 yards and 145 to win the game? I don't know what the odds would have been on that. It would have been ridiculously long, I would say, for sure. But, yeah, the fact that um, you know we arrived in the situation in which we did was uh, odd, right? I don't know. I think, you know, it obviously, you know, from like an analytics perspective, goes back to the fourth down decision-making, of course, is getting a lot of, um, a, a lot of you know, a lot of the share of the spotlight I would say so far today. And they did have three different times where you know they could have added quite a bit in win probability if they just would have gone for it and they did it. And and I think it was like you know taking those three situations into account, it was like the second highest win probability loss from fourth down decisions that we've had so far uh, this season. Like the second highest game for a team. So. You know, from that perspective, you know, it, it wasn't good, but it also seemed like, you know, Josh McDaniels really didn't trust Derek Carr, I would say, to make plays when he actually needed them to. Uh, I've got some uh, point spread questions for you. First off, do you guys have any way to calculate a quarterback who got the playbook 48 hours and what that means to the spread? <laughs> I mean, it shouldn't have. It apparently shouldn't have mattered as much as it did, I would say. But, yeah, it's uh, that, that's something we haven't quantified yet. And, and honestly, like, uh, some of the plays that we expected with, you know, Baker Mayfield basically not being in the fold, really, right? And I think that, um, you know, from that perspective, like, it was, it, it was a struggle for, you know, the Raiders to get off the field, even with some slip-ups, I would say, um, you know, from the Rams' offensive perspective. What is the uh, total number of points that Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup are worth to the spread? So those are honestly kind of the, some of the two highest value players against the spread. I think Aaron Donald is the highest non-quarterback. We have him worth, you know, I, I would say like 1.25 to 1.3 points, you know, uh, above the spread. So we would expect that line to move pretty dramatically, you know, if he was, you know, assumed to be in and then, you know, out towards the end of the week. So like 1.3 uh, for Aaron Donald, and then uh, Cooper Cup's basically like a 1.05 player, so definitely above uh, a point. So two, those two guys combined, you know, worth right around like two and a half points, which is you know kind of in the kind of in the territory of what we'd have, you know, a, a probably like a slightly below average quarterback worth right now. What's Matthew Stafford worth? He's probably worth, uh, I think, like three and a half to four, depending on kind of how much prior you're baking into him. Obviously last year he would have been worth a little bit more than that, but he was also not very good. I would say so far it, it really throughout the course of the season when he was actually playing. So I think that four point range is probably um, right. Exactly where we had him when he, when, when, when he was lost to injury. Should every team uh, hire a new coach or get a new quarterback the week before playing the Raiders? <laughs> I mean, I think it's an or situation. I don't think they have to commit to, uh, you know, one versus the other. It seems like both are actually going to work. So I think as long as you do one or the other, uh, I think it's setting up pretty well for, uh, you know, a Raiders loss in that, in that upcoming week. Did Deshaun Watson show you anything as bad as he was that you would play that game this week? Um, probably only from the Bengals side, to be honest. I did expect, you know, I, I would say quite a bit of rust 
coming back from such a long layoff and just given, you, you know, the situation um, that that kind of happened and transpired, like, you know, there was an expectation that he was going to come in and kind of be this Deshaun Watson 2020 where he was, you know, one of the best passing quarterbacks in football. And that's a, that's a pretty tall task, I would say, to ask him all the time off, not necessarily being involved in, you know, the Browns, um, kind of being involved in, in the practice facility and everything else for such a long extended time. So I think it's really the Bengals um, are probably really the only side that I would be interested in playing. I think, you know, they are, you know, very much, I would say, one of, if not the hottest teams in football right now. Um, to completely discredit the Bengals, are they going to win a division again simply because Lamar Jackson got hurt? Yeah, I would say they, I mean, they, they very much, I think, are in the driver's seat for that fact alone. I would personally say that I, I was probably in favor of them winning it, even if Lamar Jackson was in the fold. But if this is a situation where it ends on, you know, the high end range of his, you know, potential for being out for a number of weeks, I think like what we've heard is basically like one to three weeks. I think if it ends up being three or four weeks, like the Bengals are very much going to win this division. And I think, you know, they probably would win it anyways, from my perspective, but um, I still think that, you know, when, when come playoff time, you know, everyone's going to focus on the fact that the the Bengals kind of had uh, a lucky pass to get there, even though, you know, they have had one of the most difficult strengths of schedule uh, so far this season. Have you come back any, even though they're laying three and a half this week on the Niners because of the quarterback situation, they're laying three and a half against Brady? I do like, I like Tampa Bay this week. I do think, uh, I would say, you know, maybe the, the, the drop-off to Jimmy Garoppolo uh, to Brock Purdy is, is probably not going to be overly dramatic on a per-play basis, but I do think the thing that Jimmy Garoppolo had was a really high-type floor situation. He wasn't going to make really any poor plays uh, to really blow the 49ers' chances of winning, and I think that that is very much, you know, got to be the question with Brock Purdy at quarterback. Um, I do think Tampa Bay as well is kind of, starting to maybe figure it out a little bit defensively at least. Still way too conservative, I would say, from you know an offensive play calling perspective and, and, and the fourth down decisions and everything else. But if they if Brady can kind of, I would say, you know, move the coaches along in the right direction in that area, I do still probably, you know, buy into the Buccaneers as at least having some say um, you know, in winning the NFC and I think that probably starts this weekend. So I like the Buccaneers plus three and a half. I also don't mind them you know, as a money line play uh, coming up here against the San Francisco 49ers on Sunday as well. What would be a good number to put out there for number of snaps taken by the 49ers that are not caught by a quarterback? <laughs> that is a really good question. I mean, I think we're going to see such a low ADOT uh, situation, but, you know, 13.5, I guess, if, if the non-quarterback catches – it's not going to be too many, to be honest with you. I do think they're going to, we're going to see a really pretty, pretty running heavy focused and, and very low ADOT. So I think if there was any that were like past ten yards, I don't know if we're going to see more than two or three catches uh, from 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 49ers skill position players that are, I would say, ten or more yards past the line of scrimmage. I would put that number at maybe like two and a half, and probably still bet the under on that one as well. All right, Ben. Here it is. Would you ever touch my Cowboys in seventeen and a half? I think so. I mean, the, the 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 market has moved in their direction a little bit. I'm not playing anything on either side of this, but uh, there's no way I could be talked into uh, back in the Houston Texans given their current state and going back to Davis Mills and everything else. Like, I think I think it's either it's either Cowboys or bust. So 
Uh, I, I very much do think the Cowboys are, you know, the, the best team in the NFC, and we are probably going to have, you know, a few decent spots to best them coming up here, especially if you believe that. Uh, so I think this is more of a spot where I'm just, uh, you know, waiting and seeing and looking for a better opportunity to buy into the Cowboys maybe later on in the season at a much lower uh, spread differential. Did you bet Brazil-Croatia to be tied at halftime? I didn't bet that, so I kind of stopped betting. I've kind of stopped betting the the first half draws because outside of the pool play, but it, I and I actually haven't really been tracking it too much here. But if it is tied at halftime, I am I'm probably going to bet on some Brazil uh, second half and and sweat out the game a little bit here on a Friday. You got about four minutes until well, whatever they had to stoppage time, but Brazil does have a free kick like twenty yards away. So, but you didn't bet it, so it doesn't matter for you too much, anyways. All right, he's Ben Brown from Pro Football Focus. Ben, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, guys. Have a great show. So there is Ben Brown on the Raiders and the NFL as Brazil and Croatia are in the first game of the quarterfinals of the World Cup playing right now. Uh, but we've got a shot for somebody to win 200 bucks. Dollar Loan Center's Friday football frenzy is here. We're going to have three NFL games. You just have to pick the winner of those three games. If you can do that. You'll win $200 today. We're going to take caller number four right now at 702-364-1100. That's caller four at 702-364-1100. You'll have a chance to win 200 bucks. Mayfield ready under center. Opens up, hands off. Akers finding Peter, pushing the pile. There it is. Touchdown, Cam the Ram. Touchdown. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. It is Friday football frenzy powered by Dollar Loan Center. We've got 200 bucks to give away this week. We've got Gabe on the phone. If Gabe is correct with his three picks, he will take home $200. Thanks, Dollar Loan Center. If not, that will roll over, and we will have $300 to give away next week. All right, Gabe, your first game is Eagles at Giants. I will take the Eagles, please. Second game, Ravens at Steelers. Take the Steelers. All right. And the final game, Dolphins at Chargers. I will take the Dolphins. All right. So if the Eagles, Steelers, and Dolphins all win, Gabe, you will take home 200 bucks. Otherwise, that will be up for somebody next week with an additional $100. Gabe, good, good luck, luck, Gabe. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, guys. Take care. So there is Gabe uh, with a shot at $200. And again, he's got the Eagles, Steelers, and Dolphins. Uh, we could have 300 bucks to give away next week if one of those teams loses. I feel kind of bad for giving Raven Steelers on there with the Lamar Jackson injury, even though I'm pretty sure he's not playing. But like if he just pops up and starts playing in week one yeah. or in, in quarter one. Uh, it might be it might be a little screwy of a pick there. Um, but there is your Dollar Loan Center Friday football frenzy. Um, all right, we're going to take a little bit of a break from the Raiders losing to the Rams last night uh, because I want to talk about the Chargers and Dolphins game. Actually, I can't even take a break. So I put the rundown together. Mm. Most of it was done except for the Raiders part. And I put it in here. 
the Chargers at six and six, and with a loss, they'd be tied with the Raiders at six and seven. Well, because I just assumed when I made the rundown that and the it Raiders was sixteen to three or sixteen to ten, right? Yeah, sixteen well, to three, Tyler, whatever you thought. You know what happens when you assume. <laughs> so no, the Chargers with the loss would still be ahead of the Raiders in the standings. But the Chargers host the Dolphins, and here's a question I have for you: Which coach and quarterback combo would you rather have, Brandon Staley and Justin Herbert, or Mike McDaniel? And to a tongue of Iowa for now or for the long term or for just make a decision. We'll say for this season and the next two. I want Herbert. I don't know if I want Staley. We got to pick. You got to pick I, him so in can combo. I, can I have McDaniel and Herbert? No, that's that'd be really the, good. That'd, that'd be the really whole good. Point of the question, Ed. <laughs> be an excellent team. Oh, McDaniel, so good. I'll still stay with the the guy I think is a better quarterback. You'll take Staley and Herbert. You're going to take McDaniel and Tua. I think so. I'm not because 100% of McDaniel. convinced, but I think so. I think I, like, I've said it a couple times on this show, and I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but I think he's a really good coach. Like, I think what he's done with the Dolphins this year is kind of incredible. Mm-hmm. And... Again, I'm getting ahead of myself, but there's a chance over the next five years we're talking about Mike McDaniel as the best coach in football. That like, oh, the next five years, it's Mike McDaniel and I don't know who else is going to be. Is Andy Reid still going to be the best coach? Yeah, probably. So like Andy Reid and Mike McDaniel, right? I honestly think that's where the Dolphins could be headed with McDaniel. So I will take McDaniel and two. All right. Even though I love Brandon Staley because... Well, last year he was. Yeah, this I was year about to say this, this year, year he's kind of iffy. On what the... if you just go quarterbacks? Oh, it's Herbert. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, Tua doesn't throw it deep, and when he does, it's usually underthrown. And Tyreek Hill just burned his guy by twenty yards, so yeah. it's still a completion. <laughs> he and... waits patiently for the ball, <laughs> and as uh, Devontae does that sometimes, <laughs> as morbid as it is, Tua's like one hit to the head from his career being over. Right. Like, I think it's pretty morbid, but that's kind of the reality of the situation here that you Herbert's playing hurt, whatever. He's got the rib injury that he suffered in week two or whatever week that was like Herbert's not exactly healthy, but every time Tua gets hurt, you kind of have to hold your breath. Yeah. Like, yeah. like oh, anytime he, he ends up on the ground and you're maybe worried that his head might have hit the ground and because he didn't break his fall well, you're kind of like, oh, like. So, yeah, I'm taking Herbert. Even if they were even, I'm still taking Herbert yeah. because I just of the situation with right, Tua. believe he's going to play for longer. The other interesting part in the NFL, the Lions host the Vikings this week. The Lions are favored. Favorite. <laughs> the Lions are games, good. Games in Detroit, but still. doesn't matter it's, if you have one ass cheek and three toes. I will beat your ass. It is 10-2 uh, and two against, what are they, 5-7, and seven, I believe. Uh, and the five and seven team is favored. Is this one of those situations game. where the books know something? Well, okay. Every every like analytic you look at suggests the Minnesota Vikings are, are, not are like a five hundred team, right? They're but they're ten and two because they've won pretty much every one possession game they've been in. They're they last year's Raiders. They are yes. ten and two, and their point differential is plus ten. Oh. Uh, just for who's a good comparison here, San Francisco, who's eight and four. Their point differential is plus 92. 
The Cowboys. Oh, the Cowboys. This is a fun one. The Cowboys are, are nine and three. So a game worse than Minnesota. And the Cowboys point differential is plus 127. Wow. And again, the Vikings are plus 10. Uh, and they're 10 and two. Right. So like, and that's a very simplistic, but that's, a, that gives you a pretty good well, idea. It gives you an idea about yeah. how they've won and how close it's been. Detroit's minus nine. Right. Right. So you're talking about a uh, 19 point difference in terms of point differential between a 10 and two team and a five and 17. Now, Based on what we've seen from Detroit, I believe they'll be kind of like the Raiders and they'll be in the game and it'll be close and they'll find a way to lose it at the end, right? Just kind of what I expect to happen there, Uh, especially because Minnesota wins every game that way. They're like, ah, it's a three-point game in the fourth. Here comes Kirk Cousins and we're going to win the game. He's not going to drive the length of the field, but he's going to drive enough to get a kicker in position. That's right. That's right. Um, We call that the Derek Carr special. But I am. St- it's still a little bit shocking to see, even knowing that the Vikings are not as good as their record, to see them as an underdog against the Detroit Lions. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. That that's a surprise line of the week for sure. You want you want a fun stat here? If the Detroit Lions win, who does Seattle play? And the Seahawks lose, they will be a game out of the playoffs. The Detroit Lions. Yes. Good. Now, I need now, Dan Campbell. We need that guy in pro skate. We need that guy in post uh, postseason press conferences. Now the Commanders and the Giants are there, kind of screwing things up with their tie. So that's kind of annoying. But yeah, the the Detroit Lions could be one game out of a playoff spot if they win a game they're favored against and Seattle the loses. Team. Yeah, against the ten and two team. Incredible. Yeah, let's get them in the playoffs. Can we do that? Oh. You imagine him in the playoffs at the at the media sessions? Okay, I do want. Okay, who do I want out of the playoffs? I do want to see Gino. Okay, the Giants can get the hell out of there. Can we get the Giants out of there and the Lions <laughs> in there? I don't know who wants to see the Giants. Yeah, I don't even think Giants fans yeah. really want to see the Giants. I think they're like, okay, you guys have proven that we're a quarterback away. <laughs> oh no, Charles McDonald keeps coming on our show and says get the NFC South out of the playoffs. So b- ban Tampa, ban Tampa Bay from the postseason and put the Lions in instead. Regardless of what the record is, the Lions get the NFC South champion spot. (laughs) That'd be great. I'd love that rule. Uh, Yeah, because Tampa, by the way, minus two point differential on the year. They're six and six. So that's about where they should. That's where it's 500. Oh, what a dumb league. God, it's great. The NFL, somehow the NFL always delivers. Last night's game was so bad. And then it was. It was great because it was so bad.